two more position groups to go. Two more, Jake. We're almost we're almost there. We're almost there. Corners today. Safety's Friday. Oh, we're so close. We're so close, Jake. Jake Simone, Ed Birdsell. Jake, happy Wednesday. How are you, sir? Doing well. Doing Good. well. We are. We're there. Good week so far? Yeah. Nothing I can complain about, so I consider nothing it a good you, one. Nothing you can complain about yet. Nothing you can complain about yet. We are eight days away until the first round of the NFL draft. Very, very exciting stuff. Our safeties episode, Jake and I, will be out on Friday. Another again, a reminder, no Basement Talk podcast this week. So it'll be just Basement Talk podcast fantasy show with Jake and I. Obviously, we did the... Uh, defensive lineman episode on Monday. Go check that out. Uh, we're doing corners today, then safeties Friday. Then Tuesday, you will be hearing uh, Jake's mock draft, which will be very, very exciting. An episode dedicated to Jake and his mock draft exclusively. And then Thursday morning will be Adam and I with our mocks. Then Thursday night slash Friday morning will be reaction from round one with Adam, myself, and a snippet of Jake while he is in Atlantic City. And then on Monday, it is back to the same schedule. Adam will return to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, and Jake will return to the Basement Talk Podcast. Very, very exciting stuff. So before we get into the corners, before we get into the NFC North draft needs, as promised, we are going to get to those today. We have one quick question, and this comes from Kyle. Jake, where's Kyle from? The Mecca, Portland, Oregon. It's just a fantastic, fantastic place. And I do truly apologize to my people in Portland, Oregon, for not being higher on Kayvon Thibodeau. Or a true oversight but on my part. Won't happen again. Uh, Kyle asks, is there currently a player in round one AEP that you think will drop out of round one ADP come draft season and i will pull up round one adp right now and half ppr jake so you don't have to look because i am just that good of a guy so we'll do the last we'll do the last week here we'll narrow it down so the top 10 as of now and half ppr jonathan taylor one cooper cup at two Austin Eckler at three, Christian McCaffrey at four, Derek Henry at five, Javante Williams at six, Jamar Chase at seven, Najee Harris at eight, Dalvin Cook at nine, Justin Jefferson at 10. Two names are sticking out. Two. Yep. Javante. As sad as it is to say. As sad as it is to say. They're probably drafting another running back. Or bringing back Melvin Gordon. Oh, please. I mean, at least if they draft another running back, we can just say, okay, you know what? We see the plan. You know, with Melvin Gordon, it's like, what are you what are you doing? Right. And also, Justin Jefferson, I can see as a early second as opposed to a late first. That's kind of the other name that I was looking at there. But – Cooper Cup at number two. I think that's pretty ludicrous. Anybody that's drafting Cooper Cup second overall needs a freaking psych evaluation. I don't care how good the guy was last year. I, I don't know the guy would pick Cooper Cup in the first round, to be completely honest with you. I struggle with it in half PPR. and Full PPR, I think you kind of have to. Um, in half, I, I do struggle with taking Cooper Cup in, in round one. And even Jamar Chase at seven, that to me is really, really high. Because, I, I mean, I wrote it in a column – uh, last week, TalkingPointSports.com, uh, the best and worst draft values. I believe for worst, I put – no, I didn't put Jamar Chase down for, for worst because he wasn't in the top 10 yet. But if I had saw this and written that column, I would have put Jamar Chase down for one of the worst receivers. But for the quarterback, I did put Joe Burrow down, who right now is being drafted as the QB4. Someone please explain to me how Joe Burrow is going to be able to replicate the numbers that he posted last year, do it and do it again. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow was a streamer up until December 1st last year, as crazy as that sounds, he was not a set it and forget it guy. 
He was a guy that people rode and they're still kind of riding the high. I think that will calm down. But Chase, I think he's a first rounder, man. I, I think you're kind of selling him a little short, to be quite honest with you, especially year two in the NFL. Um, I, For me, I just expect regression. I, I would take him top of the second round, but I would not take I wouldn't take him over Devontae Adams. And I, would I not still ta- I still think Devontae Adams will get his. Uh, I. Yeah, we're very we're very much in the same boat on yeah. that one. That I would take Devontae Adams over him. I, I'm very torn between him and Justin Jefferson. To me, they're very, very, very similar. Um, I just want to read what I wrote from the column because there was an, a statistical breakdown here. I'm just going to read it word for word, um, and you can obviously follow along. TalkingPointSports.com under Bird's Worst Values, um, <clears throat> and I'll just read this. Uh, verbatim no sense in me just trying to uh, go off the cuff when it's just written when it's written down and published uh so burrow led the nfl a year ago in yards per pass attempt with 8.9 with a 6.5 percent touchdown rate putting that into perspective deshaun watson is the active leader in yards per pass attempt at 8.3 the next best is patrick mahomes at 7.8 yards per attempt and there are no other quarterbacks that average more in their careers than, than Watson and Mahomes at 7.8 yards. Mahomes is also the active touchdown rate leader at 6.4%. So doing the numbers and, and working it out, you need to expect that both the yards per attempt and the touchdown rate numbers are going to come down for Burrow. So if they do, Burrow would probably need somewhere in the range of 38 to 42 pass attempts per game over a 17-game basis to match the numbers that he put up a year ago, which were 4,600 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. I'm sorry, at QB4, that is not happening. And you don't really get the rushing upside either. Bingo. If you're you're taking a guy as the top five ranked quarterbacks taken I, to me you have to be able to have some type of rushing upside agreed uh, i i completely agree uh the guys for me that i think are going to drop out i have a sneaky feeling about dalvin cook that potentially that he could fall out a little bit i think that'd be crazy because i have him at number five in my ranks right now and i'm pretty comfortable with him at number five but to see him all the way at nine that's really something that the fantasy community is kind of souring on Dalvin Cook a little bit, which to me is interesting, but I definitely see the concerns, especially with a Sean McVay disciple, now the head coach of the Vikings, where pass-catching running backs are not exactly the the focal point of their offense, and they want to use their number one receivers more. So I I understand Justin Jefferson being up and Dalvin Cook being down uh, a little bit, and Jamar Chase for me, I, I would expect to drop out of the first round, but... I don't. He he may even go up, quite frankly, from seven, just because his name is Jamar Chase. I think year two in the NFL too. You have to figure, right? Uh, he's not like got to have some regression. Be, yeah. Uh, but, and I, I think we need to also point out when we say regression, that's not saying that he's going to be bad. It, all we're saying is that he's just going to regress back to what his mean would normally be. So maybe the the best you get out of Chase is. 75, 80 catches, 1,000 to 1,100 yards, 70 touchdowns. I disagree. I think I would take the over on the yards. Uh, probably. You got to remember, he, he disappeared for a solid month and a half, too, last year. Yeah, no, that's true. That, that, that is true. But then I, but this is also, you know, me as well. I do expect T. Higgins to close the gap a little bit on Chase. Uh, we said that late. Uh, I, I, I don't I, think I, so. I think it's coming. I think I it's coming I because teams, no. teams figure it out. Teams figure it out. I think sooner but, rather than later, teams are going to decide, you know what? We got to figure out and try and stop that whole burrow to chase thing. Have somebody else beat us. That's not named Jamar chase. And that play. guy could be T Higgins. If he plays, I mean, he's another one constantly plays. hurt. If he plays and he, I'm in his, surprised. yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm surprised Joe Mixon's not like first round conversation type. He won a lot of people leagues last year. Joe Mixon's just on the outside. He's number twelve. Okay, so in twelve team leagues, yes, he's he's probably yeah, I, he's, I I I do everything twelve teams. So 
Yeah, he he is a uh, he's a first rounder in, in twelve team leagues, and T Higgins right now is being drafted thirty second overall. Oh my god, that is terrible! It's so high. It's so that high. Is terrible. And I I like T Higgins. I like him, but in the third round, it's it's the Bengals premium. Yeah, you're no. you're buying into Joe Burrow. You're buying into that whole passing game, and to pay a premium on that is is just silly and. Just because we want to have a nice laugh and we enjoy laughing about things here in this this program, because we're just full of laughter and we're full we're full of fun. Joe Burrow is currently being drafted 39th overall. Yeah, it's just we got time. He's being drafted remember. in the in the top of the fourth round in 12 team leagues. What what drafts are going on at this this point in the year? Uh best balls. Um some expert drafts are going on right now. But I don't know what experts are drafting fantasy football before the actual NFL draft, but not me. God bless not me. Not me. I can tell you that right now. And I think there's also probably some mock draft data that's also being uh, being put in here as well. But yeah, burrow it, burrow in the, in the top of the fourth round. That's that's that, that that's just criminal. That's criminal. T. No, Higgins, thank you. Thirty second. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Thank you. I consider consider me for the most part, and this is going to come up in conversation. I'm sure. Uh, as we get closer to drafts, uh, just consider me right now out on the Cincinnati Bengals. Period. I'm I'm in on Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. I'm depending de- on the uh, depends on the ADP for them. Yeah, it depends on it depends with Mixon. It depends with Mixon because he just decides he wants to have fun with me every chance that <laughs> that he gets. When I back him up, when I back him up, he lets me down. When I kind of lean off of him, he has a career season. So. I'm I'm looking at him right now. I have his jersey down in the basement, and I'm looking right at him, and he's just staring holes into my eyes. So, thanks, Joe. Um, okay, let's go and talk about the corners. So, you guys know how we do this by now. We go five, two, one. So, start with number five. I'm going with Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. I'm going with Marcus Jones out of Houston. Ooh, okay, interesting. I'm uh, I went with Daxton Hill out of Michigan. He's a safety for me. Okay, Daxton Hill. Okay, I have him down as, as a corner can play both. I have Kyir Elam. Out of interesting. Kyir Elam is my is my sleeper, so we will talk more about him. Uh, number three, I have Derek Stingley out of LSU. I have Trent McDuffie. Number two, I have McDuffie. Two, I have Stingley. And one, Sauce Gardner. Far away. Nah, I've, I've Andrew Booth. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I've Sauce Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> I've Sauce Gardner. Uh, let, let me look at the – I think I have Sauce Gardner as a top. I think Sauce Gardner is my – yeah, Sauce Gardner is my fourth best player, so I'm pretty high on him. <laughs> uh, Sauce Gardner is my ninth best player. Yeah. So we are – we're very much in, in the uh, in the same ballpark. So let's just get right into it. Our, our my, my crush for this draft and the way you've waxed lyrical about him uh, definitely your crush as well, Jake Sauce Gardner. The stat with me that really jumps off the page when talking about Sauce Gardner is the fact that he has just had he since his freshman year, when he was a true freshman at Cincinnati, up until now, his junior year, he did not allow a single touchdown in coverage, not one. Uh, and you, and when you turn it on and watch him you go okay well there's why there's very little if any separation at all with the wide receivers and then oh wait the ball's in the air no he he's going up and trying to make a play on the ball he's also a ball hawking cornerback as well like when there's opportunities there he's got good hands like he'll intercept the football like this is not I'm trying to think of some guys just he, remember I'm just trying to think of some corners off the top of my head coming out where they just had horrible hands and they just the ball skills were not there at all like you, you see this all the time in the NFL. Byron Jones, and I mean that. Yeah, you're right. Coming out, yeah, coming out, and but, he developed them over time. Yep, just the ball skills are there. Like you could be a good corner and run with guys all you want, but when the ball's in the air and you don't know where it's going, like that's a problem. And mm-hmm. Sauce Gardner does not have that problem on contested like 50-50 balls. He's right there. He can go up and get it. He can the bigger receivers in the NFL, he's six three, but he plays like he's like six five. Six. He plays bigger than six three, if that's even possible. And to be honest with you, 
it's just the versatility. You don't necessarily – he fits any scheme, right? You don't need to put him in a primar- primarily man coverage or primarily zone. He could do both just as well. Like, I, I don't even know which one he does better, to be completely honest with you. I thought he did them both just as great. I think he was more – he excelled more in man, but in zone he was not bad either. Uh, I really thought it was just about even both ways. The, the one other than – I mean, let's be honest, but playing corner, it's a lot of coverage and – not the best tackler. That's my only thing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like an awful tackler, but some arm tackles, some going high, stuff that needs to be worked on that I have confidence. And he's also a great young kid, too. They, they they blow ravingly about him out of Cincinnati. He's probably one of the best players that's ever come out of Cincinnati, to be completely honest with you. So that's something that I think will be coached, but there's just there he does things that you simply cannot coach at the next level. The physical side of the game is where he he lives. He lives off of those nice little bump and runs at the line at the line of scrimmage, really getting in the receiver's face. He lives just getting into that physical side of of what comes with being a man to man corner, which immediately was very clear when when watching him on film, where he struggled. He really I I don't want to say struggled because he definitely held his own, but if there's one critique that I had against him with where guys beat him, it was with pure speed. Gardner was not the kind of guy that's going to wow anybody with his speed. But what he did quite well was he was able to mask that speed with excellent transitions, excellent pivots, and he was able to really just shift on a dime and make plays on the ball. And he kind of became that wide receiver in coverage where he was able to go up, win 50-50 balls, come down with the picks, and that's what you want out of, out of a shutdown corner. And I have had to ask around about, you know, what the consensus is about Gardner um, from an NFL circle perspective. And pretty much every single scout, every single source that I've talked to has said that Gardner is going to be a top 10 pick just based on the way that he's handled himself in interviews that teams think he's a really, really good kid. He's a good football player, has good IQ, and he plays a position that is a premium in the National Football League, which is corner. That's a foundational position. It's what defenses are built around. And Sauce Gardner is perfect to be a potential next cornerstone for a franchise's defense at the next level. It's almost like he's like I can kind of see Sauce Gardner like later on in his career transitioning to safety too. He's just got that good of ball skills. And I can like see it. Like you said, he's not necessarily – I guess he, he ran pretty well at the at the combine, I got to say. I thought he – right? I mean, he was like a 4-4 four, four guy, right? 4-4-1. Four, 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 yeah. Okay. I thought, he, honestly, like he would run a little bit slower. But you have to think, as a shutdown corner, like what shutdown corner has there been where you're like, yep, that's the fastest guy in the room right there. Like Darrell Revis was not the fastest guy. Like he was fast, but he wasn't like – No, he, he wasn't world. lightning quick. But I will say at the combine, he tested particularly well where it on film – he didn't run that typical four four one that that I saw. That's he what just, I was he saying. just played a little bit slower, which isn't a bad thing. It's, it's not a critique on him, but he's just not going to wow anybody with that elite shutdown speed that maybe we there. See, maybe we see from other guys. But everything else, the intangibles are are, are there, and he very rarely is going to make a huge mistake in coverage. That's just not what Gardner does. He is just. He, Fundamentally, he is so, so sound. Yeah, uh, very fluent hips. I'll talk about this a lot with my corners. I love hips. Hips oh, don't lie. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, th- those, hips, those hips don't lie. My One of my favorite body parts. Uh, okay, let's go to – let's do Stingley. Uh, no, let's do McDuffie. Let's do McDuffie. Just because Stingley, I think, is going to be a more, of a, uh, more of a denser conversation. Um, the one hit of McDuffie – is that he just doesn't have the length that a guy like Stingley or Gardner does, but what he makes up for it is he's just a shutdown machine. He's only allowed 16 catches from 36 targets, and it only conceded 111 yards and no touchdowns conceded in 2021. And if we're going game by game, I tried to keep track of it, I don't believe he allowed more than 38 yards in a game for a receiver that was in coverage with him, which is simply astounding. 
honestly, he to me, he's a little bit more of a nickelback, which is fine because that's the way the NFL uh, all the time in the NFL, you're playing at least three or four corners on the field. Sure. Like there's very rarely like, OK, here's a wide receiver. wide. there's a wide receiver? There's always a slot guy in the field. So that's mm-hmm. a starter at the end of the day. Like he is made for just think about the premier slot options in the NFL. Right. Like a Cooper Cup type or like Julian Edelman back in the day. Chris Godwin that slides inside for Tampa Bay. Like this is who Trent McDuffie is made for to take out of the offense of the opposing team. And to be honest with you, yes, he, I like him better on the inside. doesn't mean he can't play the outside. Like he still would be an effective corner, but to me to get the most out of him, it's on the inside, smaller, thinner receivers where in press man coverage on the outside against the bigger bodies, he can kind of get pushed around a little bit to me. That's kind of where he struggled but getting in and out of cuts, like I said, fluent hips, like this guy, the quick bursts and quick movements with him are slim to none. But he runs into trouble where, okay, you know what? Six, four, six, five, go up and get it. He he didn't do well there. They're going to catch it over him. Running deep, vertical speed. He might get blown by, but quick, agile, make the tackle right away in space. This is This is a modern NFL corner to me. And where you're seeing a lot of teams, right? They put their best receivers, not necessarily the bigger guys, in the slot. We saw it with Green Bay. How many times they put Devontae Adams in the slot, for crying out loud. This guy in the middle of the field will be a warrior for a team. And honestly, graded pretty well for me, too. Like, I don't know about you. I have him as my 19th overall player. So a top 20 player. I have him at 27. Okay, so you're lower on him. And lower I on him, but, I, but I, I still like him a lot. I like him a lot too. Like to me, you, you think of teams with the fit. Philadelphia makes a ton of sense. They need secondary help. I don't see how he gets past New England at twenty-one. To be quite I don't honest either. with you, I don't either. And and I, I definitely wanted to to run this by you, uh, R. E. McDuffie. I actually think he could translate really well to being a safety at the next level, just because of the ability that he has. I think he's the best tackling corner in this class by a lot. He may be on the shorter side, but he he is not small and he does not play small either. And he is quick. So if you want to potentially get him out of sticky situations where he's going up against taller receivers, put him at safety, let him free roam a little bit, and you guarantee that he's going to get some help somewhere, but you just can't put him on an island against receivers that are 6'2", 6'3", because otherwise he's just going to get burned. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about that. I don't want to really like over exaggerate it where like he was just god awful, a complete liability. Like, no, no, he wasn't that, but let's put him in positions to succeed, right? If you can avoid it, yes, like try to find better options, but he's not necessarily like a slouch out there uh, on the outside. But I haven't really thought about him playing safety. I can kind of see it. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Daxton Hill who's kind of just like the do-it-all cover guy for, for Michigan that played a ton of slot. I mean, I could see why you had him as a slot corner, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I could see it. McDuffie, I think also he, he needs to be in a system that is very zone heavy. I just don't see him as a, as physical enough to thrive in a system that's man heavy. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I wouldn't say he was terrible in man coverage, but no. I, I would say zone and primarily as your nickel corner, you, you're going to get a, a really, really, really good football player. Right away, I might add as well. Let's go to Derek Stingley. Perhaps the most polarizing player maybe in this entire draft. You want to see the good with Derek Stingley? You have to go back to 2019 with the juggernaut LSU team that ended up winning the national championship. Five-star recruit out of Louisiana. He was the defensive star on a defense that had a lot of stars in 2019. Then 2020, not great. Only played in seven games. 2021, not great at all. Only played in three games. Stingley really, really polarizes. And I think with him, 
a lot of people around the industry and around the scouting community are banking on that 2019 film, the 2019 version of Derek Stingley to still be there. It's interesting because you turn on 2019, you're like, wow, this guy could be the best corner in pro football. Honestly, like that's my big takeaway. Like it was that special other than the Alabama games. I think both times he played, he didn't hold up particularly well against the Alabama receivers, but let's be honest, the names that Alabama was putting out there, like not a ton of college corners or (laughs) who does, who, who, who really holds up against Alabama and shows off against Alabama. Not many. I saw Gardner did. Okay. Fair. Fair. (laughs) But yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but not many have success against Alabama. With Stingley, the game that I always look back to is the national championship game. Like, I thought that was the, what do you, like, that defining, like, this Moment. is, yes. Exactly. The coming out party. Again, more so in the scouting realm, yes. Like, that the was coming the coming out was party on a national on stage top. where everybody is watching. People could see Stingley and be like, wait, who's that guy? And he was 18 years old, I think, too, at that time. Yes. Like, yes, he was. And then you turn on, just getting to my next point, then you turn on 2020. You're like, whoa, this is not good. And then you turn on this year and you're like, wow, that is awful. Like, mm-hmm. awful. I, teams have to do a deep dive into this kid. You need to see, are you committed to this? Like, what, like are you more interested in what football will bring you rather than See what I'm saying? That you just love football rather than the things that it will bring you. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Spot on. I heard he's very family. I mean, listen, everybody loves – I'm a family guy. You're a family guy. He's very family-oriented and driven. So that will be something that comes up too. But you have to make it – that you. to me, it's all psychological. I think the intangibles are all there. Tested great. He has one good year of film. Granted, it was two years ago. Is it psychological or was it a fluke? I'm not an NFL. I'm not sitting down with the guy. Like, I can't see what was going through his mind. I've never talked to Derek Stingley. You've never talked to Derek Stingley. I think it's more of a mentality thing that needs to be addressed because we all know the tools are there. It's just needs to go to the right locker room. Number one, coaching, I think, will matter. And I think playing on a good team might matter, too. Where you can get that competitive side in him. I mean, that was one of the other things as well, where 2020, 2021, teams weren't as good, and the play definitely was lackluster. And you could say it was various foot and knee injuries that definitely plagued him. But, I mean, he was healthy going into 2020, and before the injury, he just he didn't look good. He did not look good at all. I'm going to be honest about Derek Stingley. Like, his tape from 2019 was so good that – I thought it was plausible that he would be the first non-quarterback selected in that draft. Like, I would agree. I, I would agree. I, you know, that was the Chase Young draft, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Chase Young. If I, yeah, right. I mean, I think so. Like we are talking like all time. Like this looked like Darrell Revis type good. Come after 2019, there were people that were mentioning Stingley and Revis in the same sentence. Yeah where you just put you put Stingley on an island and against your number one receiver and bam it's uh, have a nice day at the office for that for that receiver when they're not doing anything because Stingley is just taking them out of the game and it's our job as people that are you know watching this studying this and projecting we're banking on getting that guy mm-hmm. or we don't know about that guy but we're getting a version of that guy like even if it's like 85% of that guy that that's an NFL pro bowler like cuz that guy was so special we're, you see what I'm saying? We're not. Yeah. But we, like I said, though, like you need to do a deep dive into this kid. You need to figure out what the heck the problem was the last two years. You need to check on the medicals to see, okay, is this like a recurring thing? Or obviously there's people that know a lot more about the medical field than us. Like they can kind of tell, like, this is where his body's at right now. There's going to be a lot in there. Like to me, though, like I would say like a top 15 pick. No doubt about it. Like there's, he's not falling out of the top 15. Yeah. I've talked to, I've talked to a, uh, to a few people um, about Stingley and about the, the ankle and everyone has pretty much said the same thing that 
him on a bum ankle, if it's 100% healed and surgery was done right, he should be fine. Like, should there, should be fine. Be, there should be no concerns with a bum ankle. It just is a matter of, like you said, it's a matter of getting that confidence back, that consistency back, and hoping that the 2019 version of Stingley is still there. Where does where is a fit? I mean, we'll talk about a team later on that could most certainly use him. The Minnesota Vikings. I mean, that just screams Stingley, Stingley, Stingley all day long. Who, who, who are their starting corners right now? Patrick Peterson. That's about it. Yep. That's about it. I, I think the commanders make sense. Yep. They make a lot of sense. I had them down too. And the Eagles. The, I, I think mm-hmm. one of those three teams is will be where Stingley goes. I think so. And in the, in the, in the teens range and he'll be, you have to bank on him potentially having that 2019 Look, season or at least showing some growth uh, in, in his first year. Sure. If you're Buffalo, do you think about it trading up and just, right? Uh, like, yes. It makes a lot of sense, man. Like a team like that, you need to swing for the fences. A, right. a fellow Tiger. I don't know, man. I would do, I would do it if I were Buffalo. I would try to get find a way to get up there and try to pair Derek Stingley with Tredavious White. I think that's a great spot for him, too. I think it's an excellent spot. And if Buffalo is going to go where they want to go and where a lot of people think they can go this year, which is AFC Championship, maybe being the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, you're talking a pick in the late 20s, early 30s. How does that really help you in 2023? It doesn't help you. It doesn't. So take take your first round pick, take 25, take your first round pick next year, take a mid round pick this year, trade up into the early teens. Boom. Stingley done. Like if you called Minnesota and said like Minnesota's kind of like a, a weird team, right? Like I feel like a first year head coach could be, you know, they got some time first year staff. Like, hey, here's our pick this year. Here's like a like a what like a third and a first. I, I would say like a first next year would probably have to be in play all the yeah, way from twenty eight. Yep. But if you're Buffalo, if you if you ultimately go where you need to go, and this guy pans out, and you get a version of the twenty nineteen tape, like you're going to where you need to go, and that pick is out irrelevant at that point. Correct. Correct. Doesn't matter. Makes sense. Something to keep an eye on. And, and they are aggressive over there in Buffalo. I'm sure they are exploring all options. As they should. Because they, they don't have a lot of needs either. At Corner's 25. a glaring one. Corner is the biggest one. And if you have the opportunity to go up and get yourself the premier shutdown corner in this draft, if all things go according to plan in Stingley, you have to do it. Because if, if, if Stingley hits... He's the best corner in this class by a lot. And then you have him and Tredavious White, two shutdown corners against Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and whatever else the AFC North trots out there. Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Justin yes. Herbert, Derek Carr, yep. Yep. Uh, Deshaun Wilson. Watson as well, pending. Right. The pending AFC is loaded. Listen, if you're Buffalo and, you want, and you're playing in shootouts, you're going to need corners. Yep. Yep. And, and, hey, I would like my chances if I have both uh, Tredavious White and Derek Stingley. I mean, look at what the Chargers did bringing in JC Jackson with Chris Harris. And then you have Derwin James at the back. Asante just, Samuel Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And they have Asante Samuel Jr. As well. This is loading up the secondary and Buffalo. They haven't done that as of yet. They have two safeties that are all pros. They have a corner. That's an all pro. You get one corner on the opposite side. That could be your up and coming guy, potentially be the heir to Davius white when that's all said and done. But in the meantime, be good enough as number two corner curtains curtains i like that fit a lot for uh, for derek stingley all right let's talk about let's talk about kair elam for me the one thing with with elam penalties were a little bit of a problem for him massive problem a little bit little bit of a problem but, but yep Continue. but if there is a game with him where my jaw was on the floor. It's him against Alabama. Yep. Unreal against Bama. I believe he only allowed. No, they, they had a chance to win that game too. Yeah. They had a chance to win the game. I believe he only had, he only allowed two catches on seven targets and had two breakups. 
against Bama as well. Some really, really impressive numbers from the former uh, Florida Gator. I like the frame a lot with him. He he kind of reminds me of kind of like a Brandon Browner. I don't know if mm. you remember him back. Yeah, in the, great the, shout. The Legion of Boom also was another guy that had too many penalties. But here's the thing. Let me. I've noticed a lot in the NFL. They're kind of letting the guys play a little bit more than they do in college. I think he'll use those five yards to a, a full advantage. Mm-hmm. I would in, say so. In the NFL. I don't think he's necessarily your number one shutdown corner, but he's more of that number two, can make plays on the ball, make big stops, particularly in the red zone as well, is, is an area where he excelled at for me, and be a, a franchise corner that could be a pro bowler. Late first round, I look at Kansas City, another team that needs a Super Bowl. By the way, that would be another great fit for uh, Derek Stingley. Stingley, if they wanted to just mortgage everything and trade yeah. up for another corner. Yeah, but he would he would be the number one in Kansas City. I don't know if he's ready to be a number one right away, Stingley. Yeah, not no, no, but playing for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes helps. But I mean, sure. Hell, this, I mean, hell this, yeah. The same applies with Elon, man. Like, there is a lot. I don't. Does he have any relation to um, Matt Elam? Matt Elam. There was another Elam. Wasn't it like Abraham Elam or something? Abraham like that? Elam. That's it. That's the one. Any relation or? I don't think so. I don't think so. I can look that up, but I, I, I do not think so. But yeah, man, like he has that type of potential where you could see him being, he kind of reminds me of Antonio Cromartie a little bit. I don't, people say that about sauce. I don't know if I would go that far with, with, with sauce, but I would say that with, with Elam. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Cromartie from back in the day where he was another one where he was very handsy was a freak athlete. Elam's a great athlete. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I just think the thing with him is, though, the penalties, and he does get ten. He he gambles a lot as a corner and can get burnt over the top pretty easily. And then, so you want to feel old? You know how that goes. You want to feel really old? I want to feel old. Kyir Elam is Abe Ibram's son. Okay. Wow, I I no, feel very old. Yeah. Wow, that's old. crazy. That's old. That's oh my god. That's rough. Wow. I'm the, the grays are starting to come in more and more. Um anything else from the corners that you uh that you want to I mean we didn't get to I, your I love uh, your, Marcus we, Jones. Yeah, we didn't get to your uh your sleeper, we didn't get to Marcus Jones. So give us a little something about Marcus Jones, Jake. Well, other than him being a great corner, I mean, this is a return man. He might be the best in the whole class. He might be. He like, genuinely might be. Like, like this is like true. This is like I don't want to really like. I'm trying to find a comparison where I don't want to say Devin Hester, but like that's an all time great. But would it shock me if he's a Pro Bowler next year as a return man? No, no. Like this guy is lightning fast. The big thing with me, two things. He's five eight. The ceiling is there. There's a ceiling with him. He is not going to be your guy on the outside, even though he can hang tough. He's a nickel corner. Like everything I said about Trent McDuffie applies times a thousand with Marcus Jones because the, the quickness with Marcus Jones is compared to all the other corners in this draft, like is on another level. Like this guy's got, I'm got like a real like flame lit under. He runs like he's got like the dog chasing him from behind. Like this guy can just flat out move and make quick and sudden movements with these twitchy, twitched up wide receivers making all these ridiculous cuts in the NFL. And he's your man for that. And he's not afraid to back down from contact either. One concern, other than the size, injuries. Mm -hmm. Already getting injured as a smaller guy. Hasn't even entered the NFL yet. I think that's hurting his draft stock a little bit. We might see like a late day two, early day three. But if he pans out, he's going to hit. And he's going to hit in a big way. And Him as a return man is just enough value to really warrant Okay, like at least it wasn't a total failure of a draft pick. And he picked off five passes and broke up 12 over the course of the 2021 season. So he he makes plays on the ball, and he definitely is the best kick punt returner in this entire draft. So he definitely uh, gets you two for the price of one uh, with taking Marcus Jones uh, if you are going to draft him, if you are set NFL team. And your sleeper, Jake? People forget about this guy a lot. I get it. He had the is Darion Kendrick from Georgia. He does not get a lot of love at all. 
Mike, I'm trying to figure out why. Like, I get it. Last year's tape was pretty bad, but clearly there was a problem there at Clemson. He, he left the program, and there was a disconnect between him and the coaches. You watch the game against Ohio State, and you're like, oh, God, this guy's terrible. But did you guys see the national championship game? He may have been the best member of that secondary in the national championship game. Uh, he might. He honestly looked like the best player on the defense, not named the Kobe Dean. Yeah. And that's also factoring in the defensive line and all the members of that said defensive line, the best defensive line in college football. Yeah. Like it, it is just absolutely ridiculous where you think about it from this perspective with Georgia, like there is truly like eight or nine players that are going to get drafted in like the top, like four rounds in the NFL playing on one defense. Silly. Silly. But yeah, I I think Hendrick is the forgotten man of that Georgia defense. And we already covered that my sleeper is Kyer Elam. Uh, one thing I want to do before going to the uh, NFC North draft needs, you do not have Andrew Booth in your uh, in your top five. For me, one of the best pure athletes at the corner position in this draft. What gives? Well, what do I say about my corners? You like them big and you like them physical. He is that, but not much range. Not much. Not much range for me. I think he is a total liability again. Like the the NFL receivers are a whole different breed with the way they move and their movements and their just agility in general. Whereas in college, we saw him get cooked. Like uh, he gets burnt. Like when he gets burnt, he gets burnt bad. That worries me some in the NFL. Sure. I just, like, I'm not that down on him. I think I have him as, like, my seven or eighth-ranked corner, which I, I guess is, like, a lot lower than the consensus. But to me, and also the injuries are not something to be encouraged about. No. I believe he had, I think he had, like, a hernia surgery or something yes. like that. Yes, he did. So, I don't know, man. I'm just down. I don't see it with him as being a first-round pick. He He's a guy that I think I've seen a lot not work out in the NFL. I agree. I, I completely agree. I'm not super high on Booth. I think athletically, like I said, he's fantastic. But in coverage, he definitely has a lot of liabilities. Tackling, he's a very inconsistent tackler that has to get worked on at the next level. And for me, I see him a lot as a first-round pick. I don't have him as a first-round pick. I think he's more of a early day two sort of guy. And he was very close between him and Kyrie Ulam to be that fifth corner. And realistically, if you ask me, who do teams value more? It probably is that physical get at the receiver on the line sort of guy, which Elam is and holds his own with. And, and Booth, I don't want to say Booth is a smaller guy because he's not, he's not tiny by any means, but he definitely is not as physical as someone like Elam is. So it really just comes down to what's your favorite flavor you know, is Booth the kind of guy that you think can be coached up, or are you going to go for the guy that maybe has a bit of the penalty issues, but is going to be super, super physical with uh, with Elam? And Booth in zone coverage. That granted, they don't play a ton of zone, but when they did, nightmare, horrible nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, my the difference between the top three and then four, five, six, seven, even eight is very minimal, very minimal for me. Like, I'm not crazy about Daxton Hill at four. I think he, like we said, uh, he could be a safety at the next level. Um, I had him as a corner, but I could very easily see him as a safety. But it's a lot of guys that are very just mushed together at four and below. And it's like the top three is that own separate tier on its own. Maybe you could even say that, you know, if, if you wanted to put McDuffie in a separate tier just by himself, and then the cream of the crop in this class being Stingley, if he pans out and Gardner, but it's very, very similar for the guys four and below. And then you have the top three that are just on an Island consensus, number one picks uh, for sure. All right, let's head to the NFC North and let's start with the Detroit lions. Picking at number two. For me, I think this is a prime trade out spot. I think if they are smart 
instead of going for whom everyone is kind of expecting them to go with, which is Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. They need to be entertaining phone calls immediately. We talked about it last time. I would take a quarterback, and if not, I would trade out for a team that wants a quarterback. Yes, yes. And if you're going to believe reports that Dan Campbell is not a fan of Kayvon Thibodeau, then that rules him out. And we mentioned it on the last episode that we both don't understand the whole thing with Trayvon Walker. So if you're looking for a pro Trayvon Walker podcast, this is not it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I can kind of buy Dan Campbell not being a Kayvon Thibodeau guy. Oh, I can too. I can, I can too. absolutely see it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, it's just not everybody is a Kayvon. It depends on who it is. Like, I could see, like, hate to sound biased, but I could see Robert Sala being a, a Kayvon Thibodeau guy. Like, he's a very pro players, like, mm-hmm. be who you want to be. Like, lo- whereas Dan Campbell's like, you want to bite off a kneecap or you got to be willing to bleed out here. Kayvon Thibodeau was like, well, I don't want to bleed. Like I would like to avoid that. You know what I'm saying? That yeah, doesn't Kayvon, make him a bad football player. Kayvon is, is, is very Hollywood. Yeah. And Dan Campbell could be like, that's not my type of guy where Trayvon Walker is that, is that kind of guy. Yes. Like he'll do all the dirty work. And Kayvon Thibodeau was like, well, you know, I want to get paid and get to the quarterback. <laughs> Bingo. Bingo. So I, I, I can definitely, uh, definitely see that, but yeah, quarterback quarterback for me is, is, is a massive, massive need. And if we go later on in the draft, the top of the second round and late in the first round as well, when they have 32nd overall, linebacker is a huge need for them. I could really see if if Kobe Dean does fall late in this draft, I could see the Lions just being all over that. A note on Kobe Dean, the only top 30 visit he went on was with the Detroit Lions. And there we go. So that makes the, the, the fits there. Receiver, I think they could use another one. I know they signed DJ Chark in the offseason. They have Amon Ross St. Brown, but I think if they can get themselves another receiver, maybe Traylon Burks falls into that late round one, early round two range. Maybe that's a fit there. Maybe maybe if he, if Christian Watson gets there, maybe that could be an interesting fit. But I think Christian Watson is very similar to Amon Ross St. Brown already. Do you think so. they even entertain taking a quarterback with 32 or 34? If they don't do it at two, assuming they did, it should be noted though something with the Lions. They did host Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett for visits. I think they entertain it. I think they entertain it. I don't think they do it at two, but at thirty-two, because they didn't, they didn't host, they didn't host Sam Howell. They didn't host Desmond Ritter. I don't think they hosted Matt Corral either. They didn't host Matt Corral either. No, but Matt Corral, so he's not going to be there. Uh, somebody I think if they're going to take a quarterback, they're going to do it at two. So I don't think they do it. I don't think they do it at 32, but it would be a real surprise. I think if they took a quarterback, but, 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 a, but a decent one. Cause if we, as we talked about on, on Monday's program, I mean, take a quarterback now, just, I mean, do it, do it. And if you want to contend this year, contend. So that way you're not, you're not staring down the barrel of being, eight, nine, 10 overall next year and missing out on potentially having a quarterback. I'm not even going to lie. Like if they're that bad, I don't think Dan Campbell's going anywhere. Like they very well could just take a quarterback again next year and just try again. <laughs> it's true. No, it's very true. So, I mean, Campbell, Dan Campbell's going to get his guy one way or the other. Jared Goff is not his guy. So they're going to give him, they're going to give Dan Campbell the opportunity to get a chance with whomever his franchise guy is going to be. Um, I don't know if that guy is from this class, but I mean, damn it, they should at least try. Absolutely. Because every time you have the number two pick, take your shot. Unless there's a, there's a trade package that you get that is too good to pass up from mainly Carolina, maybe New Orleans, or any other QB needs Seattle. Team. Seattle, may, maybe the Falcons, but again, we've heard nothing about the Falcons being interested in any of the quarterbacks, which to me is... yeah. I could see Seattle. That does make a little bit of sense. It does. It does make a lot of sense. And they, from what I've heard, they've been doing homework on the quarterbacks quietly. Yeah. Very, very, very quietly. All right. From the Lions, let's move to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, corner for me, linebacker, maybe a third receiver. 
I think could be could be one uh, an interesting spot there. And an under the under the radar one, I think safety could be an interesting fit for them, and they could be a very fascinating spot for a guy we'll be talking about on Friday, Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton next to Harrison Smith. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, I had Hamilton going my latest mock to uh, Minnesota, I believe. So we'll see about next week's mock. But, yeah, I, I don't think you left out any needs. Maybe another offensive lineman if, mm-hmm. if we had to pinpoint one. I don't know if they're really in an, in the range in the first round, maybe at some point during the draft. They draft pretty well, Minnesota. Yes, they do, historically. Historically, they do draft pretty well. I, I think they'll do right by their team. But I, I thought you really hit the nail on the head with their needs. Really no need for me to really just say the same thing. The Chicago Bears. I mean, what 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 don't they need? Well, you gotta you gotta give Justin Fields a little bit of help, right? Yeah. You don't need, have a pick need... in the first round either. Yeah, that hurts. Um, receiver. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just interesting because if you're Chicago, like, do you find a way to get do you find a way to get into the first round with Chris Olave? I think you have to at least consider it. I think you have to try. I think you have to try. Like you have two seconds. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe if there's a team like Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, maybe, maybe Kansas City trades out with one of their picks, gets two additional second round picks. I think Olave is going to go a lot earlier than people think, though. I do too. I do too. I, I've heard Arizona have done significant work on Olave. I think that's really late. I could see him going to the commanders as early as 11. To be completely, I had that in my latest mock I mean, too. But especially if Garrett Wilson is gone at eight, with the Falcons England. doing their homework on him, New England at, at, at and, twenty-one, and there's a lot of teams with multiple first-round picks too. So, yeah. and, and a draft that's not considered to be the deepest draft in the world with high-end talent, maybe I could see. It, but they need a pass catcher, they need a defensive tackle, they need a pass rusher. Now that Khalil Mack's gone, they need a, they need a lot of things. I, I think Chicago is a ways away. It's a really bad situation for Justin Fields. And really they need, they need offensive line all the way around. They, they, they need a tackle. Yeah, they need a tackle. They need a guard. They need a center. They need all the help they can get along that off that offensive line. So it's really it, just pick a spot. Maybe outside the secondary. I think secondary they they've done a pretty good job uh, revamping that. But outside of that, they need a lot of help um, in other areas, especially in that uh, front seven defensively and along their offensive line. The Packers. My oh my! I wonder what, what they need. What do the Packers need? Hmm. As I'm staring at Devontae Adams, number seventeen, the Green Bay Packers in the corner of my basement right now, sitting next to Amari Cooper, number nineteen, the Dallas Cowboys. Wonder what happened to those guys this offseason. What? What could they possibly need? Yeah, they need receivers in a big way. The first time I I'm pretty confident in saying for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career he will have a first round wide receiver. Um, I would say that's a pretty solid bet. Yep, name that sticks out to me that I think will be a great fit there is Traylon Burks. Yeah. Now, do we do we have any faith that Sammy Watkins? Hey, no. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is going to be your first round receiver that Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to. There it is. <laughs> no. They're not going to draft a receiver in the first round, but they're going to say, you know what? We have a first-round receiver. His name is Sammy Watkins. Here you are, Aaron. None. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait until he's a thing in fantasy. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, and it, it will happen. I mean, how poetic would it be if they draft two receivers in the first round this year? Oh, it would be downright hysterical. But they won't. I think they like Alan Lazard. Yeah, so. I think they do too. And you have Randall Cobb still there, but I don't know how reliable Randall Cobb really is. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers demanded him to come back. Yeah, it's true. And I think they need a tackle too because, I mean, David Bakhtiari was hurt for most of the season last year, and that offensive line really did struggle two, without him. Two so. second-round picks as well. Let me give you yeah. one. I, I don't know if you, I sent you the mock this morning. Trey McBride in the second round. Mm, interesting. Think about it. Get Robert Tunyon out of that place. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Get Robert Tunyon out of town. 
not out of town, but I mean, he's coming back from an injury and like no disrespect yeah. to Robert Tunyon, but he, he ain't Trey McBride with the ball in his hands. I'll tell you that no, much. <laughs> no, Robert Tunyon, Robert Tunyon is not my cup of tea to, uh, to, to put it mildly. Uh, I think they could use a bit of help on that defensive line as well. I think edge rusher and defensive tackle could be a, um, could be a way they go edge rusher mainly given they have a hole with the loss of Sedarius Smith in free agency. So that could be an avenue that they decide to uh, to attack. But wide receiver for me, that, that that's the most pressing need that the that the Green Bay Packers have. A lot of people are like, "Oh, they're going to trade." I don't see the Packers as a type of team that trades up in drafts. Mm-mm. No, they're not going to. They're, they're not going they're, to. They're not going to. They will take the best available wide receiver at twenty two. Imagine. I, I, I think the Jamison Williams talk is is over. He he ain't getting at. I don't see him getting past Philadelphia at fifteen. To be quite honest with you. If the Jets pass on him at 10. If the Jets pass on him at 10, yes. Yeah. Um, a guy that I could see, maybe is Drake London with all the medicals and all the talk there, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we always have guys that have medicals that somehow find their way to fall uh, in the buildup to the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if London becomes becomes that guy that takes a bit of a dip. So uh, London, I, I would say London and Green Bay with the way that he just goes up and gets and gets balls with Aaron Rodgers there. Wow. Yeah. But I, I think more nice. real, realistically speaking, you're looking at Traylon Burks. You're looking at Chris Olave. Maybe we'll see about him. Christian Watson should be mm-hmm. there. Yep. You're looking at those receivers and, you know, Darren Rodgers, you, you could look right. Right. Exactly. And maybe, maybe you get Jahan Dotson, maybe sneaks in at the Packers like him, possibly. Um, and I heard there was some talk as well that the Packers early in the process uh, did like David Bell out of Purdue, but he's not, just, yeah. He, yeah, he's fallen off a cliff. So yeah, he, he, I am not a David Bell guy. No, I'm not a David Bell guy, Bell guy either. He, he's for me, he, I have a third round, a third, a day three grade on David Bell. Yeah, no, I, you know, who makes a ton of sense though is I'm not going to lie to you. We talked about him last podcast. He just seems like a green Bay guy too. It's George Karloftis out of Purdue. Yep. Yep. I mean, they have the need for edge rusher, and you have Preston Smith there. It's like we talked about in the last podcast with Arizona. You have J.J. Watt. You can put Karloftis there. Same thing in Green Bay. You have Preston Smith. You can pair him with Karloftis. Boom. I think it's a great fit. It's right in the range, too. 22. I could see that. Then a receiver at 28. I mean, the problem is you got Kansas City breathing down your neck. (laughs) Right. 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 So maybe they decide. Maybe they decide that the, the, the need for a receiver is uh is too good because i don't know i don't know how green bay would like having aaron Rodgers blowing up their war room from picks 22 to 28 if the packers decide to not take a receiver at 22 it might, it might be a pretty um hotly contested hour in the rogers household while he waits for that first round receiver but wait he has one his name is sammy watkins oh brother. what a note what a note that ended on well, that is it for this edition of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Friday, we have the safeties that we are going to go over. We have the NFC West and all their draft needs, including the reigning defending Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. For Jake, I am Bird. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. We will see you on Friday, safeties, NFC West, and the next week, It all heats up. Jake Mock Draft Tuesday, Adam Bird Mock Draft Thursday, round one review Thursday night slash Friday, and then full draft review the following Monday. So until then, catch you on the next one. Love you guys. Bye-bye.